The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. I want everyone to give themselves a hand of a, a round of applause. Everyone. Because we did it. We did it. We got through 2023. Tomorrow is 2024. You guys, if you didn't accomplish anything this year, just know that you accomplished getting through 2023. How many of you are excited for 2024? Maybe something's happening and you are just, you're thrilled about 2024. And how many of you are just glad that 2023 is over, it's in the rearview mirror, and you are just, you're, you're done with this year? You see, you see, I'm not sure how 2023 was for everybody, but for some of you, I'm sure 2023 was really, really good. It went really well for you. In fact, you would even say that, man, 2023 was the best year of my life completely changed the dynamic of our family and how our family runs and how it's going. We all have dealt with good change and we all have dealt with bad change. And I know for some of you, you absolutely love change. You thrive on change. You get bored with the status quo. You are ready for the next new challenge. You're ready for the next new adventure. And I know for some of you, change just completely stresses you out. You are overwhelmed by change. You are fearful of change. And then maybe this is how you are feeling going into 2024 so. Whether you love or you hate change or you thrive off of it or you're fearful from it, I want to make one thing very clear. With how fast and everything change goes, the gospel has not changed. In this new year, there will become more changes in your life, some good, some awful, Everything's just going to be crazy, I'm sure, because it's an election year coming up. Things are going to change, but the gospel will remain the same. So as we start this new year, I think it's important that we begin to wrap our minds around this incredible truth that the gospel has not changed. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the gospel When I say the word gospel, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, what I'm saying, and I'm sure that there are some in here that I say the word gospel, and you think I'm saying some Greek word or some foreign word, and you have no idea what it means, but whether you know it or you don't know it, the gospel never changes, and we need it every single day. So this morning, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 1. And so if you have your Bible, you can flip to Galatians 1. You can pull out your phone, go to the YouVersion app under events and look up Westway. And as you are doing that, I am going to pray. 
Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for bringing us here. I pray that you bless this time. I pray that you open up our hearts and our mind and ears to hear what you have to say about the gospel. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Galatians 1, 1 through 5 says this. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from the evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul opens up his letter in the ancient traditional way. He says who the sender is, Paul. He says who the recipients are, the churches of Galatia. He sends a little greeting here in verse 3. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. However, something is missing in the opening here that we tend to see in all of his other letters. Some sort of thankfulness, some sort of praise to the people, about the people, toward the people that he is writing to. And I believe that there's a reason that he left that part out. And I'm going to get there. But before I do that, I want to give you a little history lesson about the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know why we're laughing. It's San Antonio is a great team. The San Antonio Spurs are my favorite professional basketball team. But before, that the, before they were the Spurs, they were founded as the Dallas Chaparrales in the 1967-68 season as an expansion team in the American Basketball Association, the ABA. Well, there was a game that they played six days before Christmas. The Chaparrales were playing the Pittsburgh Condors. That team also no longer exists. And the Condors had this player on, his, on their team named John Brisker, who was six foot five and 215 pounds, and he had a legendary mean streak, especially when he played the Dallas Chaparrales. He was kind of like, if you know anything about basketball in today's game, he's kind of like Draymond Green times 10. So if that means anything to any of you, you know what John Brisker is like. Well, he was physical, and the Dallas coach was tired of it. So Tom Nisilek, the head coach of Dallas, in his pregame speech said, if someone can take him out of the game, I will pay them $500, which is completely illegal nowadays to pay your players like that. Just throwing that out there. Step in Len Chappelle. He was six foot eight, 240 pounds. He spent nine seasons with eight different teams in the NBA. And he said, coach, go ahead and start me. I got this. I will take care of it. The coach, Nisilek, liked his moxie. He's like, man, he's going to go in, play some hard defense on him. You know what? I'm starting him. He liked it. He knew he could play defense. 
However, the coach, Nisilak, highly underestimated Chappelle's plan. As the players gathered around center court, as every game starts, the ref threw the ball in the air, and Chappelle was lined up next to Brisker, and the ref tossed the ball. Chappelle did not look at the ball. He looked over at Brisker. Brisker's eyes followed the ball up in the air. Chappelle turned to Brisker and popped him right in the face, knocking him out. Chappelle got thrown out of the game, walked by the coach and said, I'll take my $500 now. (laughs) Brisker had to be helped off the court. He returned to the game, but he was a lot more tamer. So Chappelle did his job and took him out of the game. Now, you may be asking, what does this have anything to do with the church in Galatia? Glad you asked. Because as I was reading Galatians and studying Galatians and getting ready for this, I felt like when I was reading the first five verses here, Paul was really starting to wind up. He was ready to throw a punch. Because we jump to verse 6 and 7. Paul immediately goes into them. Verse 6, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. You see, Paul is in fighting mode right off the bat. In fighting mode to Paul, it's, it's not unknown to him. Before Jesus, Paul was very passionate about being faithful to the Old Testament law. He was zealous about the traditions of the forefathers. He was committed to getting rid of sin, getting rid of those who were compromised. He was very committed to being faithful to God, to Yahweh, the God of the covenant, so much so, if you know the history of Paul, he persecuted Christians. You see, fighting mode is not something new to Paul, but we don't find him in fighting mode very much. If we read his letters, yes, he can be sharp to his audience, but he is regularly calling them to gentleness and to humility. So this is a person, Paul is a person who learned gentleness, humility, and meekness because this person has been transformed by Jesus Christ. So we have Paul who's transformed by Jesus, who's living this life of gentleness, humility, yet we find him in fighting mode here in Galatians. Why do we find him in fighting mode? Because the gospel is under attack. And I want to take a moment and talk about how and why the gospel is under attack in Galatia. You see, Paul went to Galatia and he presented the gospel to the different, to the people there. And he says the gospel in verse 4. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. And the people heard, and the people believed. Then, shortly after Paul 
left, another group of people came into town. They're called the Judaizers. And like Paul, they were Jewish men. They were traveling evangelists who say they follow Jesus. But unlike Paul, they said that faith in Jesus is not alone, or faith in Jesus is not enough to make us right with God. These men come into town and they ask these believers, these Gentile believers, if they have heard of Jesus. And they say, yeah, we've heard of Jesus. Paul was just here. Paul taught us. Now we believe. And then the Judaizers say, you know what? Paul was a little too easy on you guys. You see, he, he only explained half of what you have to do. True God saves by grace through faith. Jesus is the Messiah. They aren't necessarily rejecting this. But then they say, if you really want to be saved, if you really want to be a part of God's family in the covenant, you also need the law of Moses. And they continue to tell the people, you know, Paul knew this. He just didn't share, share this with you. If you really want to be saved, you need to submit yourself to the law. And now we have these Gentile believers who have no history with the law. They are tempted to believe this. And this tension starts to overtake them. Is, is Paul right? Or do we have to add more? Here comes Paul. Paul now is in fighting mode. He said, no, not a chance. You see, what they are trying to tell you is progress. It is not progress. They are trying to tell you that this is the gospel. It is not the gospel. This is not good news. In fact, this is a reverse to where you came from. Why would you desert the one who saved you? Why would you turn your back on the one who provided you salvation through grace and grace alone? So this is what Paul is saying in the entirety of this letter. Some things are worth fighting for, and the gospel is on that list. Now, I say all this. And I know for some of you, you may be thinking, go, Paul. Yeah, you tell them. Fight the good fight. And others of you are still like, I have no idea what the gospel is and what you're talking about and why this is, why this is so important and why it's worth fighting for. You see, I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you hear the word gospel. For some of you, you've may been in church your entire life and you hear the word and you're like, well, You say the word, I kind of know what it means. It's hard for me to explain. When I was in college, I had a foreign exchange student in my, as my roommate from Thailand. And sometimes he would say, hey Zane, what does this mean? And it would be some sort of like American quote that we would say. And I'm like, it means, you know what? I have no idea what that means. We just say it here in America and I don't know what that means. And so maybe that's how you are when it comes to the gospel. For others, maybe you're pretty quick. You're like, oh, the gospel is Christianity 101. It's the ABCs of our faith. Admit to God that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. 
and confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. You might even say that it's the entry point to Christianity, and in some sense that it is true, but it's not the full picture, because the gospel is way bigger and deeper. Instead of it being the ABCs of our faith, it's more like the A to Z of our faith. So as we start a new year, I want to challenge us to relook at this incredible, unchanging, beautiful gospel, not as some abstract, abstract theory or some theological concept. If you want to learn more about it as a theological concept, you can go talk to Dave Parrish about taking some classes at Summit Christian College. Got that plug in for you. And as we begin to understand and live out the truth of the gospel, I know it will literally change our lives, our hearts, our minds, and our relationships. So this morning, I want to spend some more time unpacking the gospel, what it is, what it's not, and what we should do with it. Because just like in Paul's day, Many people today are tempted to follow a gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the word gospel literally means good news. When was the last time that you got some good news? Maybe you made a team that you were really trying to make, or you got some really good news about a job you were hoping for, or you just passed a big test. I know finals just happened for our high schoolers. Or maybe you got a really nice gift at Christmas and you weren't expecting it, and you're like, wow, this is an amazing gift. You know, you got this news. I'm sure you celebrated the news one way or another, and maybe this news changed your life at some level. You see, as great as your good news might have been, the gospel is infinitely times better. I think I said that right. The gospel is the best news ever because it proclaims that the God of the universe who is holy and perfect not only created you, but he loves you. And then even though we have messed it up by sinning against God, he has not written us off. He has not given up on us. Instead of being done with us, he made a way for us to be right with him. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 1 and 4. He actually gave his life for our sins in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. You see, through Jesus We can be forgiven of our sins and be transformed forever. But it's through Jesus. That is the important part. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Because it gives us the true life-changing message of hope. You see, the world today is flooded with a bunch of different gospels. Claiming to offer an easier a better, a more meaningful, more effective plan than God's original version. Not only do these gospels abound and exist out in the world today, sadly, they have even invaded our churches. 
Maybe you have already made the decision to put your trust in Jesus and you're growing in relationship with God. If that is you, we celebrate with you. But I want you to also remember, Christians still need the gospel. Because the gospel is more than a one-time prayer. We pray to be forgiven of our sin and go to heaven when we die. It's a whole new way to relate to God, to relate to other people around us, and to the world around us by looking at Jesus and trusting him with our daily lives. While some of us may have asked Jesus to forgive us, we leave him at the door and we don't bring him into our daily lives. Instead of looking at Jesus to live his life through us, we look at ourselves to navigate this life on our own, apart from God. And then we hope we are good enough. We hope we worked hard enough. We hope that we became religious enough. Then God might accept us and bring us peace and satisfaction. And this This mindset is false. This mindset is a false gospel. Verses 6 through 9 say, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Paul is saying that there is no other gospel and that Jesus is enough. He's enough not only to cover your past sins and your future eternity, but he is enough for you in your present life. This means that we don't need to keep trying to earn God's favor as if we are on some never-ending treadmill of doing good works. Instead, we need to look at Jesus and his gospel, and we need to remember that we are accepted by God, not based on on what we did, on our works, or what we bring to the table. We're accepted by God based on what Jesus already accomplished for us. So that means on your worst day, when you feel like you did the worst sin you have ever done, God is not going to love you any less. And it's the flip side. Let's say you had the best day of your life and you did the best thing and you built a bunch of houses for a bunch of orphans or something. God isn't going to say like, you know what? He was very Christian today. I'm going to love him just a tick more. Yes, it really is that simple. But we need to remember that it is not cheap. Make no mistake, I think people still find the bold simplicity of the gospel to be kind of scandalous. 
There must be more than it to merely realizing that we are sinners, repenting of our sins, and accepting God's absolutely free gift of forgiveness. Maybe this is the way you think about it. And if it is, I would love for you to think it this way. We wouldn't think of asking a newborn baby to pay for the costs of being brought into this world. So how could we imagine any way of meeting the cost of our spiritual birth? You see, confusions among Christians usually result in forgetting about God's amazing grace in Jesus Christ. His grace keeps us from confusion. And we need Jesus to stay clear from all the confusion. Part of these verses, Paul is reminding us that we need to be on guard so we don't buy into a distorted or false gospel. And there are lots of examples of a, what false, some false gospels, and I want to highlight three of them real quick. The first one is the good works gospel. The good works gospel says, do hard work, do good, be religious, and then you might be accepted. Really, it pictures God as a merciless taskmaster who just screams, more! The hope of this gospel is that if we work hard enough, then maybe we will be good enough for God. And one day he will accept us and allow us to spend eternity in heaven with him. The second gospel is the happiness gospel. This version of the gospel says that the gospel is all about me and my wants, my needs, my happiness. Really, it limits God to being a genie in the bottle whose main goal in life is to grant us our wishes and give us money and stuff or success. In this gospel, there's not a place for hardship or suffering, which then makes the cross very hard to explain. And the last one is the ticket to heaven gospel, or as I like to call it, the get out of hell free gospel. This gospel reduce, or this reduces the gospel to a one-time decision that someone made perhaps when they were a child. The idea of this is once you have your ticket to heaven, you really don't need God anymore. After that initial decision, you can live however you want to live because there's not really a need for God or the gospel once you have your ticket. It's living much like someone who doesn't believe in God a.k.a. a practical atheist. You see, there are tons of examples of false gospels in our world today, and I think those are just kind of the most common ones. But I want you to remember that there is no other gospel. You will never graduate from the gospel. You will never grow deeper than the gospel. We need to preach it to ourselves every day. We need to remind ourselves that we don't need God one day off in the distant future when, when we die, but we need him now. We need to look at the gospel and the power, or we need to look at Jesus and the power of the gospel to help us overcome sin and temptation, to fulfill God's purpose in our life. So when we have those times when we feel like that we are not good enough, we are not smart enough, we're not religious enough or spiritual enough, we need to remember that Jesus says, you don't need to be because I am.
enough. He's enough to forgive your past sin, to help you navigate through your present struggles, and secure you a future home in eternity. And listen to what Paul has to say about this in Galatians 2, 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Could you imagine if this is how we live? By faith. What will happen if we allow God to live his life through us daily? How would this change our lives? How would this change the people around us? I think here are a few ways that this might play out. When we mess up or we sin in some big way against God or another person, instead of making some sort of excuse or blaming someone else, we would own up to what we have done. We would remember that this is exactly why Jesus died and that his sacrifice covers even our worst sin. Instead of wallowing in shame and guilt, we would confess our sin, thank God for his forgiveness, and move forward in his grace. How many of you have ever been wronged by somebody else? (laughs) You see, our natural tendency is to strike back, strike hard, and show no mercy. While that may be the way of the Cobra Kai, it is not the way of the gospel. When you look at the gospel, you realize that God forgives us not because we deserve it, but because of his mercy. The gospel. So by the power of the gospel, you choose to forgive others because God has forgiven you. You see, the gospel should also motivate our, motivate our want to attend church, to read the Bible, to serve, to give. Because when you begin to understand the gospel, you realize that these are not some sort of acts to get us to work harder to be with God or to earn our way with God. But rather, we look at the cross and then we do these things in a grateful response to who God is and what he has done. And it's a way that we can grow closer to God. And this is what it means to preach the gospel to yourself, to allow him to live his life through you. And I hope this gives you a better idea of what the gospel really is and what it's not and why it's important And I want to give you some three specific action steps when it comes to the gospel. The first one is study the gospel. Paul writes to the Galatians because the gospel is worth defending. And how can you defend the gospel if you are not studying the gospel? There are lots of ways that you can study it. I think one of the best ways is just to simply read it. There are four gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Pick one. They are all accounts of Jesus' life. Start reading one or listen to them through the Bible app. 
Take notes, write down questions that you don't understand. Go to small group with your questions, even if that's not what you're talking about in small group. Do it anyway. I'm sure your small group would love to talk about those. So begin reading one of the Gospels. Next one is number two is to savor the Gospel. Beyond studying the gospel, you need to savor it. You need to enjoy it. You need to chew on it. How many of you here enjoy a nice, juicy steak? Me too. How many of you have a dog? I used to have a dog, and sometimes I would be so mad at myself, a piece of steak would fall off, and my dog would get the steak real quick and eat it, and it would be gone within two seconds. There's no time for my dog to savor and enjoy it. He just swallowed it whole. And I want to encourage you to savor the gospel. Enjoy it. Explore the depths of the gospel as you apply the truth of the gospel to every aspect of your life. And lastly, share the gospel. The gospel was never intended for just you and I. The gospel was never intended to stay within the walls of Westway Christian Church. The gospel is meant to be shared to the very ends of the earth. We ought to be sharing the gospel with our family, our friends, our teammates, co-workers, and anyone else that we encounter. So who do you know that needs to hear the gospel? And here's the simple truth. Some of you myself included, have friends and family who are on the path to hell, and you may be the only person that will ever share the gospel with them. You see, I know that some of you may feel overwhelmed about the pace of change in our world and in your life, especially as you think about the new year. You know, I want you to remember the truth is that the gospel hasn't changed. It may be a new year, but it's the same gospel. And that's good news for all of us this morning. There is only one true gospel, and it's for both believers and non-believers. And that is one of the reasons that we take communion here at Westway Christian Church every single week. Because of the gospel because of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a time where we can set apart a little bit of time in this crazy, hectic, changing world that we live in. And we can remember Jesus' sacrifice that he made for us. As Paul writes in verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. I am going to pray for us. The band is going to come up, and after I get done praying, they're going to sing a song. And during that time, I want you to think about Jesus' sacrifice. Think about what he did for you. Think about how much he loves you. And then you are free to take communion on your own whenever you feel like it, whenever you are ready to take communion. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, you are good. Lord, we thank you that you gave us a way. We thank you that you are enough. That it's not you have to believe in Jesus and do X, Y, and Z. Lord, because we can't do X, Y, and Z. But you can. And so we thank you that you did A through Z, that you sacrificed yourself, that you saved us. Bless this communion time. It's in your son's name we pray, Father. Amen.